What's up, everybody? It's Bo here. We got another One Piece TV talk. We're on episode two, and this show continues to be a ton of fun. All right, so a couple of corrections from last week. As I mentioned, you know, just kind of as a refresher, right? I'm, I'm watching this series. I am not familiar with the anime. I mean, I'm, I'm aware that it exists, but I've never actually seen the anime. So for me, this is completely fresh. I'm, I'm engaging with these characters, these plot lines, this world for the first time through the live action series. So I might make some mistakes, might mispronounce some names, might totally forget some names. And, you know, <laughs> it just, it just kind of is going to be what it's going to be. It's off the cuff. It's live. I just saw the episode. Here are my thoughts. So last week, Buggy, right? Buggy the Clown. I thought, you know, I was seeing him pop up. I was like, oh, my gosh, is that tent supposed to be the hull of a ship? Is that how ludicrous this world is? And no, that actually tent is in a town that he sacked and is, has control over. You know, throughout this entire series, you're getting these not so subtle nods to so many characters and kind of icons from cinema, from comics, from pop culture, from history. It's like, you know, uh, like a Dick Van Dyke type of Marine. And his name is Bogart, was it? Like Humphrey Bogart? I guess it's Bogart. But still, like, it's it's the same. It, it, but you, you see what they're doing. They like off a letter by a little bit and it just it all kind of comes together and so the notion that the big bad here is a clown i mean you know obviously is is a fan of comic books and and you can't not be you know somebody who consumes pop culture and not be aware that you know the joker the clown prince of crime clearly a large inspiration for this character and yet also very much his own thing what I love is that he's so ridiculous. Like he's, he's like the counter Luffy, right? Because Luffy is also, he's silly, he's goofy and everything else. But when it comes time to fight, when it comes time to stick up for his people, he gets serious. And he's like, you know, the, the whole kind of origin story of him learning to kind of to grow up, to not take everything so seriously, but also to know when to fight and when to brush it off and know that when it comes to your friends, when it comes to your crew, that's when it's time to step up. Like, no, you can, I can, you know, you make fun of me. Sure. Brush it off. That's cool. But you come from my crew, you know, mess around and find out. This is, this is the, this is the way. The contrast to that, of course, here with pirate clown dude, he's silly. He's goofy. He's like, you know, but he's also terrifying because just beneath the veneer of all the silliness he is a tyrant and awful and has imprisoned this entire town, sacked their world, and apparently is one of, if not the most, at least at this point in the story, wanted pirates in the entire world. We also got kind of a breakdown of that world with kind of the, the various quadrants, you know, northwest, east, south, uh, as well as these kind of intersecting lines, this long land that apparently is kind of the, you know, as you get closer to it, that's where the, the roughest pirates are, but that's also where the greatest treasure is, and thus where our team of heroes, our pirate heroes are going for. By the way, the concept of a pirate hero, I love that as a concept. It's something that, especially like, even like the earliest days of like my kids and telling them bedtime stories, I would tell stories of kind of the contrast between these kind of fictional hero pirates versus these villainous pirates, and like both exist outside of kind of the governing world that kind of wants to suppress and oppress the the world in general they're both living free but yet they both have different motivations and it's the way in which they show up with that freedom that kind of makes them heroes or villains i liked seeing that explored here as well when the people are freed by luffy and they're like but you're a pirate and he goes i'm a different kind of pirate oh man i i know i just like gushed last week but i love this character i think for me it's this combination of two different things on the one hand Again, just the actor's likability and what he brings to this character is just phenomenal. But then there's this other aspect of things of you have no many, like, I've tried to watch this anime and I can't get into it mostly because I can't connect with the main character. 
But that is not a problem in this series. I don't know what it is. Maybe this is just a me thing, but I'd be curious if that's true for other people as well. So Zoro and Nami, we see them kind of teaming up with Luffy at this point. They're they're kind of, you know, I don't know that they want to necessarily be part of his crew, but they're kind of starting to make the peace with it. Zoro mentions, you know, when he's being interrogated that it's not that he believes in Luffy, he recognizes that Luffy believes in himself. And he had that great little kind of sideline of, you know, it tends to rub off. And then Nami, we don't know what her deal is. Which, by the way, I, I get it now. I didn't quite put this together in the first episode, but so snails are phones. <laughs> if it's a snail, it's a phone. Doesn't matter how big, doesn't matter how small. You want a Bluetooth snail? We got that too. So that's kind of interesting. No explanation needed because I don't think this I don't think this world benefits from explanation. Everything's too bizarre. So snails equal phones. Got it. She's talking to somebody. She's working with somebody. I was surprised by that. I thought it seemed like, you know, these these kind of three were our, our trinity of this particular series. So so I'd imagine for people familiar with the anime, they know who she's talking to. I have no clue. I have no idea who she's working with. We also get to check back in with Pink Hair Dude. So I was a little actually worried that we weren't going to be able to, to see him. Like he was going to go off on his own little side quest and then maybe he might show up at the end of the season. But no, we through him, we actually get a chance to see what's going on with the Marines. And Axe Hand has been kind of cast aside. This new dude is, is rising up. Phenomenal actor, like really intimidating. Actually, like far more intimidating than Plastic Jawline Guy. And also the way in which he talks to Pink Haired Dude. And I'm sorry, I cannot remember his name. I'll try to get that next, next week. Like he sees what his desire is. To, to become a, a Marine, like he like the, the, he sees the belief that he has in the system and he wants to support that. But even in see, seeing his desire and affirming it, you almost get this like corruption of the innocence kind of vibe from him with the way in which he's like, now we're going to go after your friend. Because that's the thing. The dude's being totally honest here. He's confessing literally everything that happened, how he ended up, uh, you know, being, you know, oppressed by this pirate queen or not pirate queen, but like this pirate captain and how he got saved by Luffy, but Luffy's a pirate. And then Luffy dropped him off here. And so this is just kind of the situation that he's round up, you know, wound up in. And so using his desire for valor, his desire for justice and saying like, look, no, you told the truth. We're the good guys. We care about the truth. But then twisting it to be like, and now we're going to go find your friend and we're going to bring him to justice. We're going to arrest him and we're going to eradicate all the pirates, including your friend. In fact, starting with your friend. It's just very interesting the way that they set that up. Very excited to see what's going on with that. I think I saw, it was kind of blinking, you miss it, but I got the sense that uh, 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 Axe Hand's son guy with the uh, punch eye <laughs> got, got all messed up uh, last week. He's still, he's going off with this kind of task force, so he's still in the mix. And then we got a lot of flashback this week too, with kind of the origins of young Luffy and uh, his dude, his his uh, his captain or his his buddy who was his mentor, whose name I'm blanking on as well. The guy that's really teaching him all that there is to know about being a pirate. We see he actually loses a, an arm in an effort to save Luffy, and he's like, he just kind of brushes off. He's like, ah, that's just an arm, <laughs> you know, like like I, I'm cool. We also get a chance to see this giant sea creature, which I remember seeing in the previews and. Honestly, the style and the quality of the CGI and the previews like really made me nervous about this series as a whole. That being said, in practice, especially now seeing kind of the weird goofiness of the universe as, you know, as it exists and being able to embrace and accept that didn't bother me as much. It actually, you know, it, it worked. It was fine. 
it was cool to see that crew, by the way, like really working together. Like when he he does the finger thing, right? And at first you're thinking like, oh dang, did he eat one of the de- like the devil fruits too? And then you know, cut back behind him, and it's a member of his crew. It's like they're just that in sync. You see them strike all these like hero poses throughout that fight. It wasn't the most you know compelling, awesome action sequence, but it was very visually driven, almost like comic book panels coming to life with every single blow and shot. And it worked because we're living this scene in Luffy's memory where everything's kind of larger than life in an already larger than life world. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Speaking of the demon fruit, uh, Buggy, uh, the clown, he ate one as well. He can't be sliced up or rather he can't be cut because he's already sliced himself up and can he kind of slice and dice himself all over the place. Love they figured out like, well, hey, we just put your pieces in boxes and you're not a problem anymore. And it's interesting to learn that there's this kind of weakness or this kind of almost kryptonite-esque thing that occurs with people that eat the demon fruit. So Luffy if is kind of, I guess, weak or becomes human again based off of seawater or saltwater. So the very thing that he loves and desires is to find adventure on the sea, and yet that is the very thing that is his weakness. I'm wondering, is it the same thing with Buggy? Like, is the seawater also a weakness to Buggy? Or is it that kind of deal with the devil type of thing, right? Like, the reason why seawater is Luffy's weakness is because it's, like, so tied to the thing he wants most. So is Buggy's weakness something that he's so very tied to? Maybe it's that he wants to be the Pirate King, but he can never achieve it. Or the second that he does, he ends up falling apart. Or I don't know. Just speculating. We'll see what ends up happening. Okay, so there was no uh, pirate history connections in this particular episode that I, I, I noticed or that was very, you know, obvious. But I did want to take a step back and make a slight correction from last week because I said that, you know, the the main dude, uh, you know, the the first pirate in the opening sequence of the whole thing that died and he's was kind of the quote unquote first pirate king. I, I When I first heard it, I thought they said Roberts. This time when they mentioned his name again, they said Rogers. And it made me realize, okay, huh, that's interesting. So... I immediately thought that the connection that they were making was to Black Bart or Bartholomew Roberts. And I think that there still is a lot of inspiration in that character that goes with what they're trying to do there, though I could be wrong. Rogers, of course, makes you immediately jump to the character of Woods Rogers from actual history. This is the privateer who would then work with the kind of the colonies and the governments at the time to go to Nassau and essentially offer pardons, beginning the end of the golden age of piracy. He was an individual who, yes, was a privateer before all that, but it's really about the fact that he was making his mark in history and kicking off, really putting an end to an era of piracy and beginning a brand new era post-piracy. There's kind of an inverse that's being done with the Rogers of this universe, where he is actually kicking off the era of piracy as opposed to bringing it to its conclusion. But beyond that, there's somebody who's far more clearly, this character is far more clearly a reference to that I don't know why I didn't think of it last week. And that's Henry Avery. Henry Avery was probably the quintessential inspiration for the golden age of piracy. Like his story is far more legend than truth. And for many, they, they still kind of refer to him as the pirate king. Not that he had a kingdom, not that he didn't even have any kind of like pirate cartel or anything like that. Basically, he just had one big successful prize and then retired somewhere and nobody knows what happened to him. And so all of these legends around Henry Avery really drove people like Blackbeard, like Steve Bonnet, Calico Jack, Basically, all of these pirates that would kind of come to know throughout the golden age of piracy, they were all inspired by the legend of Henry Avery. And so it's very clear that that's a character that, you know, the Rogers of this universe, of the One Piece universe, is drawing heavy inspiration from as well. I love that there's so much that's really kind of baked into the inspiration for some of these characters. Because some of them, like like I said, you know, we got to 
clown gangster guy as the main villain. Clearly the Joker. But then you got Bogard, who's Dick Van Dyke, but also Humphrey Bogart. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit of different things going on. But, you know, everybody's pirates. All right, that's going to do it for us for this week. What are you thinking about this episode? What do you think about this series? I'm loving it. It's it's so much fun. It's great. Uh, man, it's good to have good TV. <laughs> it is really good to have good TV. And especially when it's this fun and heart-filled and, uh, yeah, you know, and, and goofy and silly enough so that you don't have to take it too seriously. And it's sometimes it's the things that you don't have to take too seriously that you find kind of the most serious and precious moments in, right? It's kind of cool. That's going to do it for me for this week. Let me know what you're thinking about it. Head over to uh, Instagram. You can follow me, Incognito. Link is in the description for this episode. Also, I put it in the link for last week's episode. If you're interested in checking out some of my other thoughts on some pirates from history, uh, that link's in the episode as well. So be sure to check out that YouTube channel. You can find it there. That's going to do it for me for this week. Until next time, I'll be back in a flash. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.